It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Buckeye breakdown. Ready to talk about what we learned as the Ohio State Buckeyes throttled the Toledo Rockets this weekend. An incredible performance. I don't know if it was a perfect game, but gosh, it sure was close, wasn't it? 77 to 21, Ohio State beats up on their uh, their only opponent from the Mid-American Conference this year. And now they get ready for uh, Big Ten play with, a, with the Wisconsin Badgers coming to town. We'll tell you what we learned and why it was important as we get rolling here Monday morning, Buckeye Breakdown. We've got the whole crew together as we cover Ohio State with our instant analysis from Ohio State. There's something that doesn't feel right. Unbelievable effort from him today. Is EJ Liddell going to crack the first team all Big Ten? I think he can be the guy. I'm not trying to start a quarterback controversy. He seems to have the durability. He certainly has the toughness. This is the question on a lot of people's minds here. Welcome to Buckeye Breakdown. Well, happy Monday morning, everybody, and welcome to Buckeye Breakdown. For Craig Heisen, I'm Brendan Gulick, and uh, you can find our podcast available either on our YouTube channel, we hope you'll subscribe there, or wherever you like to find your favorite podcasts, the Apple Store, Google Play, Spotify, uh, lots of different places. So thanks for supporting the show, uh, and I'm sure the Buckeyes are grateful for your support. Ryan Day opened his press conference by thanking Buckeye Nation, almost 106,000 strong when Ohio State let it fly against Toledo on uh, on Saturday night, Craig. You know, I I realize it's a it's a MAC opponent, right? And so even after digesting what we saw, I don't want to get over hyperbolistic, but I mean, at the end of the day, man, it was just a fun game to watch because you come to watch a show as a fan. You you, you want to see the team play really well. They couldn't have played a whole lot better than they did on Saturday night. Coach Day said at the skull session. Uh, these guys are, are not perfect, uh, but he's a, he expects a dominant performance. It was damn near perfect Saturday night, uh, especially on offense. Um, just like I said, fun game, entertaining. Uh, even Daquan Finn, man, that guy is fun to watch as well. Uh, just a, a great night Saturday night. Uh, exactly what we needed to see from the offense going into Big Ten play. You know, you mentioned Daquan Finn, and I wouldn't normally start a pod talking about the opposing quarterback in a game where Ohio State dominated the way they did. But I think it's just worth reiterating, you know, in this era of the transfer portal where where guys move constantly, I, I just have a hard time seeing him playing at Toledo next year unless he's in love with the campus and, and wants to be there for some other reason. Um, because I, I think what he did on Saturday night would show enough to a power five coach that's quarterback hungry going into the 2023 season. Um, you know, you, you put some better weapons around him. You put a better line in front of him. Not that Toledo was bad. I, I actually thought the Rockets were pretty good. They just don't have the same guys that Ohio state has. They're going to win a lot of games in the Mac. Um, but Daquan Finn's a real deal, man. He's a good player. And, and I would not be surprised if he's playing power five football somewhere next year. He is. If I'm Kirk Ferentz, I think I'm on the phone with him this morning. 
because um, they they That's have so funny because I have a friend who's an <laughs> Iowa grad, and literally when I said something similar to him, he's like, "Does he want to play for Iowa?" Because this isn't very good. You give yeah, you give him some more time between that uh, behind that Iowa line. Uh, he's going to be pretty dangerous. I, he's definitely going to end up somewhere. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if it's in the Big Ten. Yeah, I, um, <laughs> I, I, you'd have to fact check me on this, but I'm 99% sure that Ohio State had more yards of total offense against Toledo Saturday than Iowa has had in three games this oh, season. They, they do. I was up late Saturday night. I caught a little bit of their game, and it is hard to watch yeah. <laughs> on offense. Yeah, and, and and what's probably most frustrating uh, frustrating for Iowa fans, their defense is really solid, it's and their special yeah. teams is very good. Yeah. Their offense is unwatchable. Yeah, it is. It is. Let's get let's get back to the fun offense. So, what yeah, well, uh, what were your biggest takeaways? Yeah, seven hundred sixty three yards of total offense is uh, the number two performance in school history in that regard. The Buckeyes scored seventy seven points for the first time in six years. They hadn't done that since they hung 77 on Bowling Green back in 2016. Um, and they haven't scored more than that since they scored 83 points against Iowa back in 1950. So it's been a long time since we've seen Ohio State, with the exception of doing this to BG a few years ago. It's been an awfully long time since we've seen the Buckeyes put up numbers the way they did. Um, I think that there are several key takeaways for me. The first is that, you know, the, the Buckeyes really wanted to clean things up. They had one penalty for five yards, one pre-snap false start, not a big deal. Um, now, how do you how do you put that into context? Is it everybody's a little more relaxed because of the nature of the game? Perhaps, but I would think that you want heightened focus if you're not going to be committing penalties. So perhaps Somehow this team felt, you know, throughout the course of the week and that translated during the game that they somehow needed to be locked in a little bit more. I don't know where that light switch is, but whatever they needed to do to make that work right, they did, uh, which was really important because Ryan Day had made it pretty clear after two weeks he was not particularly happy with some of the stupid fouls. Coach Day talked about all week having a dominant performance uh, and his actions uh, spoke louder than his words, Ohio State. Um Starting the game with the ball, I can't remember the last time uh, they didn't defer uh, to the second half. So coming out that first drive, uh, absolutely clinical uh, by uh, Kevin Wilson's offense. Um, it was it was fun to watch. Um, just the throws that Stroud was making on that first drive, the line was getting great push. And that was as, as dominant a drive as you can have to start the game. So starting fast was a, a point of emphasis this week. We heard that a lot and, and they certainly did that. You know, it's funny you bring up uh, some of the throws that we were seeing early on in the game from, uh, from CJ. I thought that was a good point because there were a couple of throws in particular that really caught your attention. And, and actually one of them, um, Stephen means who, who covers the team from cleveland.com pointed this out. This is, I thought a really great note. He said, Ryan Day does a drill in the summer with quarterbacks who come to camps where the point is literally to throw the ball one inch over the top of a net. That throw by C.J. Stroud is exactly why that drill exists. His, you know, He's referencing the, the ball that probably everybody in the stadium thought was going to get picked off 
because you you could see the defensive back sort of jump the route when CJ was throwing it to the to the right sideline early in the game, and the ball goes over the receiver's you know hands by that much. Now you don't really want to have to do that during a game, <laughs> but his ability to put that kind of touch on that throw is really impressive. Um, you know, I maybe we'd be singing a different tune if he threw an interception there. Uh, and he probably should have thrown a pick when he threw one over the middle later in the game mm-hmm. um, that it got dropped in Ohio state, you know, got a, a bit fortunate there. So look, he wasn't perfect, but CJ has an incredible ability to extend the pocket and to keep his eyes downfield. And I mean, how about Fleming's touchdown catch? Like, you know, was that a ridiculous catch? Of course it was, but CJ extended the pocket through that ball at the absolute last possible second. And he put it only where Julian could make a play. And and I think that's the part of it that gets overlooked because everybody's, you know, uh, eye popping. Wow. Over a, a wild catch and, and they should, but don't forget about the pass there. Um, we're seeing some big time throws from CJ Stroud here. These last couple of weeks. It's nice to know that he can uh, execute that drill that they do in the game. I would prefer as a fan, not that we're throwing one-inch passes every time. But like you said, that pass to Fleming in the corner was incredible. Uh, there's actually three receivers there if we're talking about the same touchdown. I think Cade was in front, and he kind of let it go by, and Fleming caught it. And then at the last second, you saw Marvin at the back pylon streaking, kept streaking behind him. So, um I don't know if Fox had different camera angles in the stadium on Saturday, but I just felt like the, a lot of the replays really showed how tight these windows that he was throwing in, especially on the sideline. The pass to Cade Stover that he threw was incredible. Um, Cade Stover's hands, obviously, he grew up working on a farm, and you can tell because his hands are so strong. Um, not many guys make that catch, honestly. He was falling down out of bounds and makes a phenomenal catch, but – just start the way they started was awesome to see with we haven't really seen that super fast start yet like that and obviously every first drive is not going to be perfect like it was saturday night but there's your blueprint now let's go try to do that every game get ready for the greatest roast of all time the roast of tom brady a netflix live event happening may 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Well, I mean, look at the drive summaries here. You know, eight plays, 82 yards, touchdown. Six plays, 75, touchdown. 559 touchdowns, 771, 775, 989, 448. Those are all touchdown drives. In the third quarter, the Buckeyes actually punted from Toledo's 39-yard line, um, but quickly got the first of three consecutive three and outs after that. 
uh, four plays, 39 yards, touchdown. They had another long touchdown drive, 11 plays, 68 yards. And then they they had the big one to Jaden Ballard. That was 274. Um, and they had three plays, 45 yards for a touchdown as well. They scored 11 out of the 12 possessions that they had the ball. Um, I, I mean, it, it really was, you know, as close to a perfect game as you're going to get. Um, in the first half, Ohio State ran 42 plays. They had 25 first downs and they scored 42 points. I mean, like, you know, the 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 idea that people talk about like video game numbers. I, I don't even know actually if I could pull that off. <laughs> I don't I mean, think I could. I'm like, I'm like, you know, easy mode, I guess maybe, but that, I mean, right. dude, that, that's crazy. Um, you know, as a team, they threw for almost 500 yards and ran for almost 300 yards. Um, 11 for 13 on third downs you know, eight different players scored the 11 touchdowns. I mean, it just, their depth was overwhelming. Um, and somewhere along the way, I wonder if Toledo just said, look, like, all right, can't, uh, really, yeah. can't really bring the A game anymore. Um, I, somebody with me that like, uh, one of the one of the announcers. I don't know if it was if it was Brando or Tillman, but somebody made a comment about you know credit to Vince Karras's defense for hanging in there and, and keep playing. It was kind of like I mean I guess, but they've given up seven points. I mean they have a, they have eleven guys out there. I don't know if, we're, if they're necessarily playing anymore. That they're kind of just letting Ohio State do whatever they want. But yeah, it's Tim Brando. I'm glad that he's not on another call this year. That was a that was tough to listen to for yeah. He had, uh, had a tough one. Um, let's, let's talk Ohio state defense for a moment. You know, the, the Buckeyes were without Mike Hall, without Josh Proctor, without Tanner McAllister. And those are obviously notable players. They've started each of the games, you know, prior to that. Um, I I guess what, how do I say this correctly? You know, I, I guess I was frustrated by the fact that all of a sudden they just weren't available when Ohio state puts out an availability report a few hours before the game and they weren't listed either. I mean, yeah. say it's like Josh Proctor and Tanner McAllister from what I'm gathering, those were not injuries and warm up. Those were like soft tissue things from during the week. And they, they weren't listed on an availability report. Mike Hall, you know, I, I realized he, he got hurt against Arkansas state. Um, from what I know, he practiced this week and there was no reason for anybody to think that he wasn't going to play. So all of a sudden you start wondering, like, did they get in trouble? Is this disciplinary? Like what other reasons could there be for them to not be on the field other than, well, it's Toledo. They're playing a mid American conference team and they don't want to, you know, they don't want to play all of their stars in those games. I mean, I, I guess that could be part of the thought process, but there seemed to be an urgency to get Julian Fleming and Jackson Smith and Jigba out there. And they were listed as game time decisions on the status report. So I, I don't know where, where that decision was made or why, but it certainly caught a lot of people off guard that all of a sudden, you know, the Buckeyes were without three starters on defense. And if you're going to put the availability report out, which Ohio state does not have to do, make it accurate. I mean, it just creates confusion. I don't know if confusion is the right word, but just a lot of questions, honestly, from 
from reporters, from us fans, um, saying, hey, are these guys suspended? Are they hurt? What's going on? Are they healthy scratches? What's like, are we getting into hockey terms now? Like what, yep. what's going on? So yeah, if, they, if they're going to put it out, put it out accurate just to help people do their jobs, help fans know kind of what's going on. And if it's to not let the other team know what you're doing, like it's an hour before the game, how, how much is their game plan going to yeah, change? Exactly. Oh, hey, Michael Hall is not playing. Let's, let's do this now. It's, it's not going to change at all. Well, and um, Proctor, I don't want to cut you off here. Proctor was on the sideline in basically street clothes with his yeah, on top of it. Mike Hall was in full pads and looked like he could go in the game at any point, which is why I, to me, that's the one that, that was more like, wait a second. You know, yeah. the guy looks like he could get on the field. Is the upper body injury that he suffered in week two more serious? Or did he somehow tweak it during pregame warmups? I mean, he looked good. Um, yeah, it was that was yeah, hard to, to me. To me as a fan, when you see Proctor just standing there in, in normal clothes, you, you think he's suspended, honestly, when you don't see him even in the uniform. So it's like, let's put out the availability report. Let's make sure it's accurate. Let's not have guys that appear to, that they should be playing just in street clothes. That was, that was kind of odd. I don't remember Ohio State ever doing that yeah. with a healthy player, just letting them hang out on the sideline like that, um, not in uniform. But back to your point, talking about the defense, I mean – Obviously, we talked about for, on Thursday and Friday, Denzel Burke wanting to see how he bounced back uh, from a com- kind of a rough start to the season. And and he looked good at the beginning. I mean, he had a couple pass breakups. He was there. And then you kind of have that fluke miracle throw that Finn just throws up and gives up a 50-yard touchdown right in front of him. So a play like that, yes, I don't want him to give up a 50-yard bomb for a touchdown, but – that was one of those ones where it's just so fluky. And a thing that kind of irked me about Denzel Burke is like they they're putting it on Toledo. You don't need to taunt a guy after you stop him on a third down slant in the yeah. in the third quarter. Like stuff like that. Let's I know you're you're excited, you're trying to get your guys fired up, but let's just go back to the sideline after that. You already gave up a 50 yard bomb to start the game. I'm sure that guy said something to him and he's talking back to the Toledo guy on that on that slammy stop, but um, stuff like that. But the defensive line played phenomenal again. Um, really good push up front without Michael Hall, so uh, it was good to see. Sawyer was uh, he was back there almost every time. Um, a lot of fun watching him. Tommy Eichenberg again still flying around. So there were some points of the defense that were frustrating to watch. I thought they played well, but obviously they got to limit those big plays. But I mean, Finn's a, he's a good play. He's a great playmaker. I mean, he's dynamic. He can run. We saw that. Uh, Ohio State's not going to go up against another mobile quarterback like him for a while. Um, probably, so honestly, gonna, probably not till they play JJ McCarthy. I mean, I don't yeah. think there's anybody in the big 10 that can move quite like that. No. And I honestly, I don't even know if McCarthy can move quite like Finn can. Um, so they're gonna have to they're gonna have to practice that um, leading up the Michigan game because there were some points that they were spying um, Finn and the guys just missed tackles. I think on the on the one it was Steel Chambers that had him and he almost had him down, but he slipped out and broke off a run. So that's something that and we're not gonna see it. So they're gonna have to work on that in practice because they're not gonna go up against another mobile quarterback like that in the game. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right. I think that's probably a, a pretty good summary of what we learned this past weekend. Um, it was certainly a fun game. The Buckeyes really, really played well. And, you know, I, I guess it's probably the highest note you could realistically hope for as they got ready to go to Toledo. 
uh, or to Toledo as they uh, get ready to to host Wisconsin. Um, you know, the first three games are in the books, and I think we've learned a lot about what this team can be. We've seen the defense play really well at times. We've seen a couple of instances where they still need to show that they can get a bit better. You can't get totally torched uh, the way we've seen a couple of times so far in these first three games. But on the flip side, when your offense is clicking the way that they are, it takes a little bit of pressure off because you can typically outscore your mistakes. Um, we just need to see the Buckeyes play, you know, with the toughness required uh, when everything's on the line. And Penn State looks like a, a pretty decent team. That that will probably be a bigger challenge than uh, than maybe we first thought. Uh, but certainly, you know, we've got a, a certain Saturday in late November circled on the calendar. Um, those are going to be fun games. In the meantime, we'll see what Wisconsin can do. We're going to talk plenty Wisconsin this coming week as the Badgers come to Columbus. And who knows, could it be a preview of the Big Ten championship game? Uh, Wisconsin's defense has certainly looked good enough at times. Their offense hasn't been great, but uh, we'll dive into the Badgers along the way. Of course, they suffered a, a frustrating loss in the non-conference part of the schedule to Washington State. So plenty to come on, on uh, Wisconsin as the week goes along. In the meantime, thanks for joining our pod here this morning, and uh, we encourage you to check out our YouTube channel. Uh, also, you can find all the latest you'd like at, at BuckeyesNow.com. For Craig Heisen, I'm Brendan Gulick. We'll see you real soon. Ohio State 77, Toledo 21. Hope you enjoyed a fun game this weekend.